Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Mets fans, welcome back to another edition of Believe in the Mets. I'm your host, Nick Durst. If you haven't already done so, make sure you follow us on social media at Believe in the Mets. Last week, a very tough one for the New York Mets as they had a fire sale. They moved on. They punted on 2023, punted on 2024, and potentially punted on 2025. If you listen to Max Scherzer's comments, Justin Verlander had a press conference Thursday in the Bronx. He echoed the sentiments and statements that Max Scherzer said as far as what was communicated to them by Billy Epler and Steve Cohen. Brandon Nimmo was losing sleep over this. He had a meeting with Billy Epler. He and Lindor, they ended up getting on board and hearing about the vision for the future. They're the only ones locked up. And you hear the news that the Mets apparently were looking to, or at least fielding calls on Pete Alonso at the trade deadline. Luckily, nothing came to fruition there. They now trade him. They need to sign him long-term. He is the key for this team moving forward. And Steve Cohen, he said, he had a press conference and kind of talk about everything. So maybe they'll be competitive next year. We'll see. Hopefully some free agents catch his eye and somebody comes in. But Billy Epler, he said, the, goal, the ultimate goal here is to build a good farm system. Well, I think the ultimate goal here should be to win the World Series. And the farm system can help you out with that. But now we have a lot of prospects here in the minors, and who knows if they're going to pan out. But to help me discuss all these prospects at this time, I'm going to welcome in a good friend of mine. You may have seen him doing college betting, hosting all across various platforms and on his show on Better Sports Network. So at this time, please welcome in Johnny VTD. Johnny V, how's it going, man? Oh, what's up, man? It's been a minute since me and you did something together, and you know I'm looking forward to this. Congratulations on your new podcast. It's a smashing success so far, but unfortunately, those Mets, man, really causing a lot of heartache mm-hmm. for uh, for people we know. Well, I know you used to be a huge Mets fan, and I think it was 2021. We have to wait. Wait, we had Frank the Tank on our podcast in uh, June or July of 2021. Right. Comes in, puts the entire kibosh on the Mets. I had a ticket on them to win the World Series because I thought there was a real shot, and then they just fell off on a flat out nosedive. I mean, bias comes Gone. in, and it was all thumbs down from there. Nope, no good for me. Since then, you got rid of your Mets fandom. Except, well, you were back. I saw you at the Subway Series recently in the Bronx. So, how was that? It was a snooze fest, dude. Like, it was. I got to be honest, like going to baseball games is, is fun because uh, you kind of just like chill out, tune in whenever you want. But like, dude, you don't really have a sense of like the stats and like what the pitch count is. It's just it's I actually like watching sports at home on TV. It's just easier to keep track of. Like I was there with with a bunch of work colleagues and it was fun. Like it was a good team building thing. But like 
it was pretty slow. It was a boring game. It was like three one. Nobody had a home run. It was a bunch of ground outs and strikeouts. Like it's just not. It's nice though to get out to the Subway Series. I think it's the first game I've been to all year actually. Yeah. So I haven't been to a game this year. I went to the game three, the wild card versus the Padres last year. As I was leaving, I told everyone I was with. I said I am not coming back to a game next year. I'm going on a strike. I'm protesting unless they make the postseason and improve the offense, and they didn't. So now I'm going to be out. And now with the Mets, they're rebuilding. They're not going to compete next year either. The protests will continue, and maybe I'll be back in 2025. So your thoughts, Johnny, before we talk about these specific prospects the Mets got, because that's your expertise, college baseball. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Billy Epler coming out and basically saying, hey, I know we're in New York. I know we have a lot of money, but – we're not going to even like try to run it back next year with Verlander. And then we have Diaz coming back and we can re-sign people and go after a tiny. We're going to just punt on next year and, and hope for a good 2025. How do you, how'd you feel about those remarks came across? I mean, most, most of me thinks that that's what it should be done. Like everybody in New York, you know how New Yorkers are, New Jersey, everybody's so impatient. They want this built overnight. And I understand all the money that the Mets spent last year, this year, in order to put a championship team on the field. I, I totally get it. But at the end of the day, you're putting all your eggs in a basket of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander tipping the scales at 40 years old, who, like, how many how many good innings do you think these guys have left? Not getting hurt. Like, you know, they're hall of, first ballot Hall of Famers, no question about it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you don't have the other pieces to do it. So, like, I don't know if you think you're going to get Otani. Like, it's rumored that the Dodgers are, are in on Otani if the, when the Angels most likely move on from him after this year, want to stay on the West Coast. So, assuming you don't get Otani, like, who do you think you're going to get? You have a pretty good farm system before this Justin Verlander trade. Now, I got to be honest. When you consider the draft this year that the Mets had, I think New York has a lot of potential over the next two to three years with prospects. I truly believe that. And I'm looking at the list right now, and it doesn't even include the guys from the 2023 draft. I think waiting till 2025 is the right move. The Mets have had a lot of holes in their roster people do not realize. They're really being carried by X amount of players like Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor when he shows up, uh, Scherzer, Verlander, and I just don't think they realize that the Mets are a lot further than everybody thinks. And especially once Edwin Diaz went down this year, I knew the Mets were done. They were cooked. They were not winning without Edwin Diaz. So this episode is going to be all about the prospects here and their prospects in the future. And we will start, of course, with the big name that was acquired here at the trade deadline, moving Justin Verlander. They get Clifford, who is now the sixth-ranked prospect, Ryan Clifford, for the Mets. But the big one was Drew Gilbert, who was the Astros' number one-ranked prospect. And he is now the fourth-ranked prospect for the Mets. Played some center field, usually, out of Tennessee. Profiles to maybe be a left fielder or a center fielder, high-energy guy. You watch a lot of his games on the Volunteers. What can you tell us about him? So when... I heard that Justin Verlander was going to be moved and the Astros, they had a deal in place with the Mets. First of all, the, Met, the Mets did the right thing. Everybody, Everybody's pissed off about it. The Mets did the right thing. In a losing season, dead season, they got rid of Justin Verlander. A lot of his contract went with it, and they got the Astros' number one prospect. I said, 
either Drew Gilbert or Jacob Mountain out of Oregon State had to be a part of that deal, and they got Gilbert the number one prospect in their organization. That's the right thing. As far as Drew Gilbert's concerned, I had fair criticisms last year when he was taken num- uh first by the Houston Astros or in the first round by the Astros. He's a high energy, fiery competitor. He is a guy who can ignite a lineup. He's a good fielder with a good arm, good base runner, and he's got power. He hits exit velo shots. Now, the thing that I was a little worried about with him and I thought he got overdrafted was because his swing had a big uppercut to it, had that big lefty uppercut. Sometimes he tries to kill the ball and I kind of thought he was reached for. But after the way the Astros developed him over the last year, they they flattened out the swing, they smoothed it out mechanically, and I got to be honest, I, I think Gilbert has the trajectory to be a very good big league outfielder. Even Jose Altuve said when in his rehab earlier this summer, this kid's ready, this kid's coming, and that's an endorsement from one of the best players in the last 15 years in, in Altuve. I think this is a great move for the Mets Gilbert's going to be a guy that you're probably going to see up by sometime next year because he's already in double A and he's moving up the ranks quickly. And I think this is a guy that is going to be a great number two hitter for this New York Mets offense. He was an absolute savage at Tennessee, batted 362 uh, in his final year, made a lot of big plays happen. He's the guy you want up in a big situation because he's not afraid of the big moment. I think Gilbert's going to be a very good outfielder for New York. So do you see him – let's give a little projection of what you think his baseline stats would be. Do you think he's a guy that hits hit 20 home runs and bat around 280? Yeah. I, I think if Drew Gilbert is something of like a smaller Grady Sizemore, I probably wouldn't say he's going to steal as many bases. But I think there's a possibility that Drew Gilbert's a 2020 guy, batting anywhere from 280 to 305. I think he could get on base pretty pretty good, especially the fact is like he's cutting down on the strikeouts. His He's not as swing and miss prone because he's not trying to kill the ball. But, dude, when he gets into one, that ball goes far. Just look back in the 2021 College World Series, uh, the Grand Slam against Wright State. Like this kid hits tanks. So I, I think there's definitely 2020 capability with Gilbert. I don't think at the absolute best he's more than 25 home runs. Uh, but – I mean, when he's getting on base and doing his thing, I think 20 home runs will be just fine. So the Mets, my issue with all these trades, Johnny, is the fact that they did not get any high-level prospect pitchers. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. weakness for the Mets here. And I got all these position players that actually traded for four shortstops at the trade deadline. So yeah. to me, this means eventually they're going to flip these guys for pitchers. But there is one pitcher in the system who I think has a great future, and that would be Gilbert's Tennessee teammate. And that is Blade Tidwell. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I watched Blade Tidwell at Tennessee too. And, you know, in 2022, he battled a lot of injuries. So they brought him back slowly. You didn't really get to see the full, um, I guess, what's the word? You didn't get to see the the full repertoire, the full presentation. You only got to see a sample size. But Blade Tidwell is legit, bro. High 90s fastball, really good slider. He works in a pretty good curveball and changeup as well. And this is a guy that can miss a lot of bats. And I think when you're looking at a guy like Tidwell, this is somebody that could profile as a top of the rotation arm because he's got that presence. He's faced the best of the best competition in the, uh, in the SEC with the volunteers. And, you know, Tidwell was a guy that I really liked and he's so good that when he came back from the injury in 2022, 
head coach Tony V put him in the top of the rotation as the Friday night guy. I had a Chase Dollander who Dolly is one of my favorite guys. I think he's, if he doesn't win uh, multiple Cy Young, his career is a bust. Uh, Chase Burns, who has a real shot to be the number one overall pick in 2024 out of now Wake Forest. And Drew Beam, who's going to be a, a future first rounder in 2024 as well. So that just goes to show that Tidwell was the guy that he believed should have been in the Friday night spot for the Tennessee Volunteers. So I, I think Tidwell's a, a, another great prospect. They got really two good gems in, uh, in former Volunteers. Absolutely. And then I mentioned him briefly, Ryan Clifford here. We don't know much, that much about him because he came out of high school. He was a late-round pick, though, because he was committed to Vanderbilt. And Houston got him in the ninth or 11th round because they had the money to pay him. So just for our listeners here who who don't really follow college baseball, tell them like, how prestigious it is to be committed on a scholarship to Vanderbilt and what that means about your makeup as a potential big leader. Yeah, listen, it, um Tim Corbin is like the Bill Belichick of college baseball. That guy runs a blue, bu- uh, blue blood royalty program. If you're committed to Vanderbilt, that means you are a serious baseball player. Ryan Clifford ended up passing on it. He went in the 11th round. But this guy's obviously got talent because R- Tim Corbin wouldn't have taken him otherwise. He's, he's a guy that's probably like Gilbert in the regards that he's going to max out at 25 home runs. But he can do a, a lot of everything and just be an overall competitor for this Mets team. And, you know, I think realistically speaking here, this is another example of New York just kind of finding a baseball player, somebody that's going to fill in somewhere in the outfield and, you know, get on base, maybe hit you some home runs. And, you know, he's got a pretty good arm out there. So I would most likely think that we're going to see a guy who's been on the national U.S. national teams at 12 years old be a an important piece to this because otherwise he wouldn't have been thrown into this deal with Justin Verlander. Yeah, he was the Astros' second-best prospect. They were going to redo the rankings this week anyway, and he was going to be number two. So the Mets get their top two prospects in Houston and bring them over to the Mets system. So right now, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are stacked for the Mets. Double A, a lot of future stars, we hope, on the roster. Now, the Mets' number one prospect is Kevin Parada. So he was a stud in college last year, and they get drafted Mets for the Mets' top pick. What can you tell us about him, and what do you think the future is for Prada? Do you think it's going to be trade bait because they have Francisco Alvarez, or would you suggest they hold on to both of them, and you never know, and you need to have two catchers at the big league level? Yeah, you know, Parada's interesting because I was really curious when the Mets took him last year when they already had Francisco Alvarez. I wasn't really sure what their direction is. And, you know, Parada, I can't say the word, but he he hits the, he hits the you-know-what out of the ball. This guy hits piss missiles and the fact is when you have a catcher that can hit the way he can that's so rare in today's game like how many offensive how many catchers do we know that are offensive studs maybe five or less yeah not many and the fact is you got a guy like Parada who you know if catcher didn't work out because he's in the Mets and they want to keep Alvarez there then you know maybe he gets some reps at first base or DH just because you want to get his bat in the lineup or you could eventually flip him for a pitcher. We don't know what they're going to do, but what we do know is you have a guy like this who's so valuable. And I think the great thing is because you have Francisco Alvarez right now, and he's he's honestly he's probably going to hit 30 home runs this year. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to rush a guy like Parada. You could let him take his time. And I think at the end of the day, I can't really say for sure if the Mets are going to hang on to him because this is a catcher who – 
profiles as, as somebody who might be able to hit 30 home runs at the big league level, which we don't see very often. And uh, I think they're just going to wait and see what any potential offers are over the next couple of years. But Kevin Parad is the real deal, bro. And also, I, I can't really say this on the air, but uh, there were some crazy stories about him uh, at Georgia Tech. Uh, the kid got game, and I'm not talking mm. about on the field, but we'll, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, he's He's got some serious uh, what the kids call Riz. So he's a guy that embodies the New York lifestyle for sure. All right, we'll see. I think he's on track. Maybe, maybe comes up 2025. The RLX is only in high ed right now. But like you said, they shake the time with him. I think they're probably going to look to move him for a high-end pitcher, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go after a Corbin Burns this offseason because he's in a messy situation with the Brewers, I'm sure. Whoever is asking, if everyone, if the Mets are trading for anybody, they're probably going to say, we want Parada right away. Or maybe they say, give us Luis Angel Acuna. <laughs> so Acuna, they, they acquire him in the trade for Scherzer, the one guy. A lot of pressure on him. I mean, they're basically paying $40 million for him as a prospect. Now, he didn't play college ball. We, of course, we know international free agent here. But he's a guy who's going to steal 40, 50 bases, so that's mm-hmm. good. How do you feel about him and also just the fact that now speed is back in the game this year and, and stolen bases are impacting games? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, you got Acuna's little brother. Hopefully, he's anything like Ronald, and uh, I think the Mets got a good one here uh, because at the end of the day, this is really just another case of like, all right, once this guy comes up, where are we going to put him? Is he going to be a shortstop? Is he going to be second baseman? Are we going to find a place for him in the outfield? We don't know. But we do know now with speed back in the game, this is a guy that can steal a lot of bases. He, he stole 126 bags in 51 attempts and you know, in his two years um, before coming over here. And I think realistically speaking, we're looking at a guy that's going to be an impact player because, yeah, he's an Acuna, but there's a lot of things he does well, not just with the speed, but getting on base and – I feel like, you know, if he's anything close to like a 275, 280 hitter, we're going to be looking at somebody that's, you know, a key piece for New York uh, in the next few years. So a guy that's in double A, we realistically could expect to see him sometime next year. And then we could really make a judgment and see what we have yeah. uh, in, in Acuna Jr. here. So the only thing that's going to be a holdup probably in getting him to the majors next year is going to be his new position because he's not playing shortstop. So we got to see, is he going to play second? Maybe they put him in the outfield. A lot of shortstops now at the top on the Mets prospect list, of course. Ronnie Mauricio, who tore it up in the Dominican Winter League last year. He's having an awesome year at AAA right now. And he's not really forecasted for some reason internally as the Mets is a big star, but he might play left field. He's going to play second base. And there's a lot of excitement there with him, I hope. Hopefully he's making an impact next year. I want him to be starting every day because that's the only way you're going to learn, especially if you're going to be really not competitive next year. Let the kids play. And the future, like you said, it could be bright. And they had a pretty solid draft this year, I believe you you would say. So they took Colin Hoke, number one, and then they went, they took some pitchers, some two-way players. So why don't you give us some highlights of the players you really like that were drafted this year by the Mets in 2023. Yeah, you know, Colin Hoke, uh, he was a superstar at, uh, at Georgia. He was a 2023 Georgia Gatorade Player of the Year. He got several offers to commit to play quarterback because, you know, he's an athlete, this kid. He's got a rocket arm, and he committed to play baseball at Mississippi State, who I think is due for a turnaround year in 2024, by the way. But 
to be honest, I don't really know what they were thinking because, you know, there's pitchers that they needed in their farm system that were available at the time. You, you'll have to refresh me where the Mets picked. I don't remember what number they picked, but I believe I, they picked number 30 or 20, 20 or 30. Was it something 20 they, or 30. They got a, they had a thing where they had to drop 10 slots because of their luxury tax. So I'm not sure if that was every round or if it was just the first round. Yeah. Picked, I'm not, I, think, I think they picked 30th in the first round. So did they, they pick flat. 30th? Cause there was, you know, there were some other guys there that like, for instance, if I was the Mets, I would have loved to see them take Yohandi Morales at third base out of Miami. That kid is going to be a superstar. That kid hits rockets. He's the he was the main reason why the Miami Hurricanes were competitive this year. Yo-Yo Morales fell to the Nationals at 40 after getting Dylan Cruz in the first round. The Nationals are set up for success, by the way. But you know, they take Hawk. Like I don't know too much about him just because I don't right. watch high school. You never know what the high school guys. The, the Mets picked exactly. him with a 30-second pick. That was their first pick. It was a 30-second pick. Yeah. So you right. still could have so got the last pick of the last pick of the first round. You could have got Yohandi Morales. Like, I, I didn't really love that pick, taking a high school shortstop when you already have so many shortstops in the minors. You took Jet Williams last year. Not really sure what the approach is with that. But their second-round pick, I think, was pretty good. You got a guy in Brandon Sproat out of Florida who they actually took in 2022 in the third round. Sproat elects to go back for another year to Florida, make more money, move up around, which he did successfully. Sproat is a guy who reminds me a lot of young Max Scherzer really good stuff can miss a lot of bats, but the control is something that he has to work on. Do you remember in 2008, 2009, Max Scherzer was a young pup with the Arizona organization. He flashed a lot of strikeouts, but he just, he didn't have it all together until he moved to Detroit where Justin Verlander probably helped turn his career around. Sprout reminds me a lot of that. He struggled in Florida this year at times with the walks and the home runs. But, man, there were times where he looked unhittable. He shut down Vanderbilt twice. He shut down Alabama earlier in the year for a complete game shutty, one hitter with 11 punchies. He looked good his last few starts in the season before, you know, he struggled against LSU in the College World Series finals. But this is a guy who's got a, a fastball that profiles a triple digits. He's got a disgusting changeup. He's got good presence on the mound. He's a guy that – you know, if he fixes some of these things mechanically and he gets a little bit more consistent, he is going to be a stud for the Mets. You're drafting a guy who, yeah, he could fizzle out. He he has a he has a low floor when he's not hitting his spots. But man, the ceiling is high. There's a lot of potential with the Sprout goat, Sprout Zilla. I think the Mets got a really good one. And if he pans out, this is a guy that's going to be a big time arm in New York. That's for sure. So that's their top two picks there. And that was the big need. They needed a pitcher. So they finally drafted one. Because if you look at the Mets' top prospect rankings, the top prospect pitcher is Tidwell. But he's the, the eighth-ranked prospect overall for the Mets. So who knows where that, where that shakes out. Again, they're going to need pitching. So they keep drafting these shortstops. Maybe they can trade Jet Williams for a pitcher or something. But their third-round pick is interesting. Two-way player at Oklahoma State. Noel McLean, what can you tell us about him? And do you think he profiles as a pitcher or a position player? Yeah, Nolan McLean was interesting because, uh, you know, I, I've watched him a lot over the last couple of years at Oklahoma State. And I, I don't know if he's truly a two-way player. 
Like, he's got a great arm, dude. Like, this is a guy that's mid to high 90s, topping out with his fastball. I think he got up to 98 uh, at, at OK State. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not sure if he's going to commit to be a pitcher or a third baseman. I don't think this is one of those cases where he can do both. He, he's got some power. Like, he's a strong guy. I, I think realistically, because of the power he has in his arm, he'd be better suited to go try and be a pitcher at the next level especially because the Mets need that. They need more pitching. And, you know, I just don't know if he really profiles as a starter, though. That's the thing. I think he's more of a reliever, maybe maybe a closer if he can nail it down. I just I don't see McLean throwing five, six innings every time out. And, you know, he does have some home run pop, but he, he's not a big contact guy. He's really one of those guys that's in between, to tell you the truth. He's not somebody that I, I see being an all-star at third base, which is his main position, or being an all-star on the mound. But I think he contribute more as a pitcher because, you know, when you have a guy that can top out at 98 and he's not really a true, true pitcher, there gives you a lot more leeway to work with. You'd rather have that than a guy who's going to go out there probably hit 250 with like 15 home runs in a season. So I think McLean, you know, in the third round, you'd be better suited to try him out as a pitcher just because there's – more upside there, I think, than at the dish. All right. Any other players in this draft you want to highlight? Any late round steals that the Mets yeah. got? Yeah. So I think before before we get into the late rounds, their fourth round pick, Wyatt Hudipol. I mean, I have I have to go back and see the rounds. I probably would have liked them to to get a Quinn Matthews, who went to the Cardinals in the fourth round. I think Quinn really really was a guy that could have went in the in the first round this year, maybe the second, but. You know, Wyatt Hudipole was an interesting case because this is somebody that's like topped out at like mid, mid 90s, around like 94 to 96, but he misses a lot of bats, dude. He had 17 strikeout game earlier in the year. Uh, I forget who it was against, but he had nine strikeouts against Dallas Baptist, who was a really good team, as we know, made it far into the into the college playoffs. This is somebody that's got a really good 12 to 6 curveball. He seems like he could be a middle of the rotation guy, maybe a three or a four starter, but you get him in the fourth round. If some of these other guys pan out, I think Udipol is a pretty interesting prospect because, you know, he's somebody that is able to really do a lot of damage with his spin and it, it makes his fastball play a lot faster. So I think Udipol was a pretty good pick. Fourth round, maybe a tad early, but I think considering how well he pitched this year, down the stretch with in terms of his strikeouts, this is somebody that they can refine and make him be a star in, in the big leagues. All right. Any late rounders or anybody else? That yeah. Uh, there's, there's three actually. So the Mets got a guy who I personally really liked a lot out of Grand Canyon, Zach Thornton, lefty, tall, lanky guy, not big strikeout, not a big fastball tops out at like 90, 91, 92, but he's got really good spin. Grant Canyon was a team that I had a lot of, I said, faith in early in the year. This is a team that had Jacob Wilson, who went number whatever overall to the Oakland A's. Uh, they had a guy named Connor Markle in their in their rotation. They had a guy named Daniel Avisha, who I think were really good pitchers. But they ended up putting Zach Thornton as their Friday night guy, which means a lot. Grant Canyon, you know, they didn't end up making the the postseason. It ended up going to be Sam Houston, the Bearcats, but they had a really good roster. They had some really good pitchers. And I think Zach Thornton's a guy that could be somebody 
that profiles as like a, a number four starter, somebody that's a, a solid lefty that can get out. He's got really good spin with a curveball and uh, a good changeup as well. So I'm pretty impressed with Zach Thornton being somebody that is an impact player for New York as well. And then we also got to talk about Noah Hall, the seventh round pick out of South Carolina. He missed a lot of time this year with injury, but before he went down, he was a, a big impact guy. He was their Saturday night thrower behind uh, Jack Mahoney. And he was one of the reasons why South Carolina was looking like a team that really could win it all. Also not a big strikeout guy, but he's somebody that just finds a way to get outs. And I think, you know, we're so infatuated with strikeout pitchers. And if you're not a strikeout guy, you don't have a high potential. I don't think that's the case, but Noah Hall really was starting to come into his own this year before he went down. So I think this is another approach where we can wait and see uh, for the Mets here. It's another strong prospect that a lot of people don't really know about too much. He doesn't jump off the screen, but he's just a solid pitcher. And honestly, you know, that's, that's what does it, man. If they stack enough of these guys, they're just solid pitchers that can get out, put their team in a, uh, in a chance to win. That's what it is, man. They didn't draft any future potential Cy Young winners. I mean, maybe Sproat one day could be just because he's got the stuff. That's the guy. Sproat is probably most likely the one who could win a Cy Young, if I had to say. But uh, I think they just drafted enough really good pitchers. And then last but not least, not a pitcher. I think this is an awesome pick. In the ninth round out of Maryland, they got third baseman Nick LaRusso. Nick LaRusso hit 26 home runs, led the country with 105 RBIs. He batted over 360. Like that was an unreal pick. And you got him so late with a lower slot where you didn't have to pay him too much. And I'm not going to say he's the next David Wright by any stretch of the imagination, but like the Mets have been looking for a third baseman with that 25 home run pop, bat over 300 since David Wright. And I think he could be that guy in, in the next three years. Nick LaRusso was an awesome steal late. So I feel like the Mets got a really good bat later in the draft because dude, they've been, they've been dying for one of those since David Wright retired. Absolutely. And Brett Beatty has struggled this year offensively and defensively. So we'll see what happens at third base. Johnny, give me your Johnny V big three. As far as looking at, let's look at 2026 here. Give me the three prospects that we've discussed right now that you think will be making the biggest impact at the big league level? Well, I got to say Drew Gilbert. I got to say Blade Tidwell and Brandon Sprope. Okay. And the reason why I can't say any of the other guys right now, like Parada, I, we don't know if Parada's even going to be there. Uh, Acuna, like I'm just worried Acuna's like, he's going to be really good at base stealing, but I don't know how much more right. he's going to provide in terms of value. Mauricio, mm -hmm. shortstop, a lot of power but there's some swing and miss in his game. Do they keep him? Do they move on? Jet Williams, I think, you know, he's another one where they can move on. We, we just don't know. They have so many shortstops. And I think realistically speaking, like with the pitchers that they have, they have some potential with arms. And I think Drew Gilbert, just because I, I've seen him play so much, I know what he can do. I feel like those are the three guys that we're going to see by 2026 be the biggest impact guys from – you know, from this prospect class, this field. Fair enough. Mets have five shortstops in their top 24 prospect list. So somebody's got to move. Cause even if, even if you factor in, let's say Mauricio moves to left field, right? He's put left field next year. And then Acuna 
Is, is he going to move to second? Okay, that means McNeil's going to the outfield. But then, what, what, what does that mean for Gilbert and Clifford? Only one, there's only space for one of them. And so we got to see what's happening at third. So you can't be going into the future with seven shortstops. Eventually, somebody's going to get moved for mm-hmm. a pitcher, and they need pitching. So that's where it's going to happen. I got to be honest, though. Gilbert, like, I don't know what, you know, Nimmo, you know, yet Nimmo center field, but it wouldn't be surprising to see Gilbert move Nimmo off of center field. It, it probably well, won't eventually Nimmo's right going to move to the corner when he, I mean, he's an eight year deal now. So he's not going to play center field. Yeah. I mean, year. listen, Nimmo, Nimmo is going to move at some point. I, I think Gilbert is definitely capable of commanding a big league center field. Like he, at Tennessee, he played in a small park, right? Like, Tennessee, there wasn't a, a ton of ground to cover. In in City Field, there's a ton of ground to cover. Yeah. I still think Gilbert can do it. He's got good instincts. He's got a really good glove. He's got a good arm. Like he's, I, I don't know if he's going to be like, you know, Andrew Jones or Jim Edmonds type. But I think this is a guy that does have the capability with a little bit of work to possibly win a Gold Glove. If nothing else, he's going to be a good center fielder that gets the job done and is just stable and reliable for this for this Mets team and you know yeah. his his real value is going to come at the plate. All right, last one for you here before we go. Give me the prospect who is going to make the impact for the Mets next year and he's going to get up there maybe by injury because he has to fill in or something and he's not going to go back down like we see with Francisco Alvarez this season. I think it's going to be Gilbert. I think Gilbert's going to be up next year. I know his estimated time is, is 2025, but to tell you the truth, dude, like this is somebody that before this trade to, to the Mets, Houston was probably going to move him up quick. Like he got drafted last year. He's already in double A this year. And I feel like there's a realistic shot by sometime next summer, maybe after the all-star break, the Mets try him out. The Mets want to get him some big league at-bats at some point in 2024 because by 2025, I feel like they're projecting him to be on the opening day roster. But it's kind of tough to say, hey, we don't know what you're going to do at the big league level. We're a team that's not going to compete next year. Why not get him some at-bats? Why not see what he can do? Even if it's, even if it's for a call-up in August or September, just to – just to see, get a little bit of a sample size. And, you know, going into the, the winter of 2025, you have an idea of like what you can work with him at and, you know, maybe the abilities for him to improve. What are the opportunities? So I think Gilbert's going to be the guy that is uh, is going to be called up next year because, dude, he just – he's going to breathe life into the Mets. He's very fiery. He's a catalyst. He's he's perfect for New York. He's 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 built for New York. That's great. All right, John, this has been fun. Let everybody know where they could find you and your stuff. Always, baby. You know, I'm at Twitter, underscore Johnny VTV, writing over at Bet Karma. And as well, I'm writing for RotoWire. Check out my articles. I got my NFL stuff coming out very soon. And, you know, I potentially might have a new podcast guest. Might have a new podcast for 2023's NFL season. Can't talk about it a little yet. Just a little uh, too early in detail. But, uh, Stay on the lookout, baby. We're coming out with some really good futures, cashing some winners just like last year. All right. Go check them out at underscore Johnny BTV. Johnny, this has been great. Everybody, make sure you are following Believe in the Mets on social media at B-L-E-A-V-I-N-T-H-E-M-E-T-S. And also subscribe on YouTube if you're not already doing so. 
And follow me on social media as well on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst and on Instagram at Nick's Food and Stuff. So for Johnny V, I am Nick, and this has been Believe in the Mets. And until next time, everybody, let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.